And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. Welcome, everyone. It is Wednesday, March 17th. It is St. Patrick's Day. I am fully decked out in my blue. Wait a minute. Supposed to be wearing blue today, right? Welcome, everyone. Jason Hyde here in the bunker. Let me fix the focus on my camera there. There we go. This camera, every time I turn this camera on, it does not keep any of the settings that I set it and say, do it this way. Want to also welcome all of the new subscribers we've picked up this week. We are well on our way to 1,650. One of these days, we'll crack 2,000. And uh, then after that, who knows? The sky's the limit, right? If you are with us live, the comments are open. The chat is open if you're not with us live, you can still leave a comment or you can always send us an email live from the bunker at sci-fi for me.com. Nobody's using that email address. I'm looking for people to suggest guests and topics. I want you to be part of the conversation. So let us know. Let us know how we're doing. We need feedback here. This helps. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm like Johnny Five. I need feedback. We also have a newsletter. You can sign up in the show notes or over at sci-fi4me.com. The pop-up there will uh, we'll do that. And over on Twitch, uh, right now we have 83 followers. We're pushing for 100, so uh, we can do a watch party. That's kind of a kind of a goal, a delayed gratification goal for us. And if you prefer to uh, consume your programming as a podcast, we've got you covered there too. iHeartRadio, Pocket Cast, Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Double Twist, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Listen Notes, all the different places where you can find this show, as well as the H2O Podcast. And we're discussing whether or not to put foreign bodies out as a podcast. So that might be a thing. So uh, so there's that. It is March 17th, like I said, tonight. Uh, the big charity stream over on Uche's channel. Zack Snyder will be there. A number of other YouTube streamers will be there. They're raising money for suicide prevention. That starts at uh, 7 o'clock central, I believe. Uh, well, let me let me look that up. Well, Mrs. Boss, could could you possibly look that up and maybe we can put that link in the chat and and we'll we'll have that. Um, I can't remember Uche's last name, but it's U C H E, I believe. He's a former pro football player. If that helps, right? YouTube uh, YouTube channel for Uche. 
Yeah, they're doing a or just look on uh, look on Drunk Rupio's Twitter. He should have a link posted there because tonight. Okay, we'll find it. We'll find it. We'll put it on there. See, I'm I'm lucky. I pulled up a song that's long enough to cover all of the vamping that we're doing right now. So, Sci-Fi's Knob in the chat. Mazer's in the chat. Yes, I am putting Mrs. Boss to work. And, and you know, she's been doing a, a very good job keeping me on top of things uh, because she's been helping with prep for Good Morning Multiverse, which is coming up on Saturday. We've also got a brand new Foreign Bodies on Saturday. Tomorrow night, we've got a new Ranker Pit. We'll be talking about the latest Star Wars shenanigans, Disney shenanigans. And, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. So today, what I thought we'd do, um, because, you know, you mentioned this, we mentioned the Snyder Cut. It comes out tomorrow. And just looking at some of the headlines for the trades, you know, New York Times and some various different reviews, it doesn't look like anybody in the traditional media is impressed with this thing. So it seems a little suspicious. Uh, but we are going to watch it. Mr. Harvey and I are going to take a look at it and we're going to discuss it on Monday's H2O podcast. And, uh, and then, like I said, when we get the Twitch, uh, the Twitch account up to 100 followers, we're going to do some kind of a watch party for something somewhere. Uh, there's, the, uh, there's the link for the charity stream tonight. Yes, so there's Uche's charity stream, and we'll also drop that in the show notes in the description of the notes so you can see that and, uh, and link to that. That's tonight, Wednesday night at 8 p.m. I think they've already raised $17,000. Uh, something like that, before the stream has even started. This thing has been scheduled for a while and has been raising money uh, for suicide prevention. So uh, a good cause. We thought we would go ahead and share that with you. Now today, I don't have a guest, but uh, I thought what we'd do is pivot a little bit because we talk about movies and TV a lot on on this channel and various different shows. We don't talk about books enough we've done more book reviews and i'm very happy to be able to do that uh we posted earlier this week uh the the um the 56th annual nebula award nominees have been announced by the science fiction and fantasy writers of america and i'm looking at this list and i thought we'd talk about it just a little bit because there's a lot of this list people i've never heard of Authors I haven't heard of because I'm, I'm, you know, I don't prefer electronic books. I'm not a big fan of Kindle books or Nook or, or whatever is the, the other Moby is another format. I prefer to have a book in my hand so I can turn the pages and have, you know, have that, that experience. So, of course, with the lockdown, I have not had a chance to get out to the bookstores because I like to browse. I like to see what's out there. And I have not come across very much in the way of new publications. We'll get, we'll get press releases. We'll get promotional pieces, emails and such. Say, hey, this new book's coming out. Do you want to do a review? 
And so I've gotten a few of those. A lot of horror creators have sent stuff our way. But I prefer the book in my hand. And I give them the option. I was like, well, you know, we can take an electronic copy. If, you're, if you want to send us a physical copy, here's our address. So we've gotten a few of those. But I'm looking at this list of, uh, of the Nebula Award nominees, and I'm not recognizing very many names. Now, N.K. Jemsen, I recognize. Rebecca Roanhorse, I've, I recognize. I think I've seen Martha Wells' name in the past. Uh, but for the most part... I, Sarah Pinks, uh, Pinsker, uh, Ray Carson, okay, I, well, hey, look, here's our old buddy Jason Sanford, nominated for a Nebula Award for short story. Hmm. Interesting. <clears throat> I will, I will leave it at that and just say it's interesting. But I thought of what I'd do is go through... Oh, look, Birds of Prey has uh, been nominated for the Ray Bradbury Nebula Award for Outstanding Drama Presentation. Birds of Prey. Okay. But I thought what I'd do is we go through the novels, uh, the nominees for Best Novel, because it's entirely possible. <clears throat> it is entirely possible that I'm missing a really good author. It's entirely possible that I'm missing stories that I would enjoy. And since I don't know anything about these folks, and I don't have anyone around me who's recommending any of this, it's left to my own devices to try to figure out whether or not this would be stuff that I'd be interested in. And so what I thought I'd do is I'd go in, because Goodreads is a site that's generally, it's one of the industry things you have you have ways that you can read copies there and there's a couple of other uh <coughs> excuse me a couple of other trade site type of things where you can get access to to these books and and look at things and and get information and whatnot and it's generally accepted as a as a common website where you could get information on books so what i thought i'd do is go through here and look at these six nominees for best novel. I don't want to go through, the, we, we don't have time to go through the entire list of all the Nebula nominees, but the books, the best novel nominees. I thought I would go through and take a look at those and see if there's anything here that would be of interest to me. Because there might be. So we'll see. Cam1138 in the chat, welcome. Uh, Mazers says, uh, well, Cam1138 says, hard copies are much more my speed. Mazur says, a book is relaxing and fair, whereas a computer screen, including iPads and Android phones, are medically proven to tire the human eyes out faster. <sighs> that's a good point. And I don't know, maybe that's, maybe that's the reason why I'm so exhausted today, because I have just been, the last couple of days actually, I've just been dragging. And I don't know why. I'm getting you know, five and a half, six hours of sleep a night. And the, um, the CPAP mask finally fits. So I guess I'm getting proper oxygen. I don't know. I'm just, just really, I mean, I'm on my third or fourth cup of coffee right now and I'm still feeling kind of 
low energy. So anyway, okay, so here, here we go. Let's get into this. Best novel. The nominees are Paranisi by Susanna Clark, The City We Became by N.K. Jemison, Mexican Gothic by Sylvia Moreno Garcia. See, I can pronounce those those names. The Midnight Bargain by C.L. Polk. Black Sun by Rebecca Roanhorse and Network Effect by Martha Wells. Notice that there are no Bayon books on this list of nominees. That's just an aside, just an observation. <clears throat> All right, so Paranisi by Susanna Clark. What is this about? Now, I have not looked at any of the descriptions for any of these books. So I am looking at this for the very first time, same as you, Unless you're already familiar with these books, in which case you can leave us an opinion here and tell us what you think about them. If you've read any of these, I would be very interested to know what you think about these books. Do you like them? Do you not like them? And why? Because stuff on the web is not necessarily reflective of the people with whom you interact on a semi-regular or regular basis. Shocking, I know. But the internet does not necessarily always reflect reality. But if there are uh, any of you who are uh, watching the show, who are listening to the podcast, if you have read any of these, what do you think of them? Uh, and sci-fi is not, yes, I am, I am pawning off as much work to everybody else uh, as much as possible because I only have so many hours in the day. I don't have access to a time travel device. Not yet. All right, so Piranesi by Susanna Clark. Uh, the ratings, uh, it has here on Goodreads uh, 41,500 ratings, uh, and it is averaging 4.32 stars out of five. So people like it, I guess. Uh, the book's description here, reading from Goodreads, quote, Paranisi's house is no ordinary building. Its rooms are infinite, its corridors endless, its walls are lined with thousands upon thousands of statues, each one different from all the others. Within the labyrinth of halls, an ocean is imprisoned, Waves thunder up staircases. Rooms are flooded in an instant. But Piranesi is not afraid. He understands the tides as he understands the pattern of the labyrinth itself. He lives to explore the house. There is one other person in the house, a man called The Other, who visits Piranesi twice a week and asks for help with research into a great and secret knowledge. But as Piranesi explores... Evidence emerges of another person, and a terrible truth begins to unravel, revealing a world beyond the one Paranisi has always known. For readers of Neil Gaiman's The Ocean at the End of the Lane and fans of Madeline Miller's Circe, Paranisi introduces an astonishing new world, an infinite labyrinth, full of startling images and surreal beauty haunted by the tides and the clouds. Okay. 
Maybe? From the New York Times bestselling author of Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell. It is an intoxicating, hypnotic new novel set in a dreamlike alternative reality. 200 pa- uh, 250 pages. So this, uh, this was published back in September of 2020. This is the first I'm ever hearing of it. And uh, yes, Mazur, sounds like the author has a weird dream and wrote about it. Might be good. I don't know. Maybe. Um, Mrs. Boss, does this sound like a book that you would pick up and read? It's, it seems like it's more fantasy than science fiction, which could be why it didn't cross my radar very, very easily. Huh? Didn't hear any of it. Mrs. Boss, off in her own little world over there. Which is fine. She has responsibilities. <coughs> what? Oh, she's right. What? Writing about? Oh, writing about Batwoman. <sighs> By the way, did y'all see? As uh, recorded his review of Batwoman, spent thirty-five minutes recording his video before he realized that the microphone wasn't on. I feel bad for him. I really do. I've done that. I've done that plenty of times. Yeah, so have you. So, all right. So this one sounds fairly interesting. It has, uh, just from the cover, uh, from the look of the cover, it it seems like it might have some mythology connections uh, the man called the other. I mean, this could very well be one of those things where uh, there's allegory involved. Um, I've never heard of Madeline Miller. I have heard of Neil Gaiman, of course. He's a fairly res- highly respected author. Um, I haven't read a whole lot of Gaiman. I probably should remedy that. But this. This feels like, and and some of this could just be the marketing copy here, but this idea of somebody is really, really, really built into their world and they learn something and their world unravels. It seems like there's a lot of that going around. That, to me, is a little bit off-putting, but... An infinite house, I mean, this this feels, I mean, it's bigger on the inside. And there's a labyrinth. But uh, where the ocean is imprisoned, that starts to have me wonder, that, that has me wondering if there's going to be some kind of environmental layer to this. Um, I'm, I'm, I don't see anything really that indicates that it, that it, is one of these environmental message fiction books. I'm not going to make that assumption. But um, the ocean seems like it might be sentient. I'll make that prediction right now. That maybe it's not really an ocean. Maybe it's a life form. I don't know. Uh, Sci-Fi Snob says it's a cross between the TARDIS and the movie Labyrinth. It could very well be because there's a pool in the in the TARDIS. <laughs> and water world. Okay. Uh, it says here, genre is listed as fantasy, mystery, magical realism. 
fantasy mythology, you know, these are these are how people are categorizing it and based on their ratings and their reviews. Almost 8,000 reviews on it. So there's there's one of the Nebula Award nominees. Let's move on to The City We Became. This is by N.K. Jemison. This is, <coughs> excuse me, this is uh, The Great City's number one book. Apparently this is going to be the beginning of a series. 437 pages published in March of last year. Uh, 3.99 out of 5 stars. A little over 29,000 ratings and 5,500 reviews on this. And the book cover uh, looks to be a bridge in New York. And on the cover, there's a quote, a glorious fantasy from Neil Gaiman uh, describing the book. Uh, And they do mention N.K. Jemsen is a New York Times bestselling and three-time Hugo award-winning author. Yes, you won the Hugo three years in a row for the same category. Um, Okay, she did. She did. She won the Hugo three times. All right, reading the description here. What? Okay. Mrs. Boss talking to herself over there again. What? She just had a serious pickup. See... Mrs. Boss has a microphone, but <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, I'm moving on. I'm moving on. Nope. You have your things to do over there. <laughs> you mouth off. I will, I will mouth I, off too. Okay. I, I mean, I was just stating that it was mentioned on this last week's Good Morning Multiverse. That she had her a series picked up, um, the books that she, or she had won, or I'm sorry, no, she didn't win. It's over in your stack, but she has a trilogy that's um, is going to be made into a series about a woman who gets does time traveling back and forth between a southern plantation pre Civil War. That's in this week's stack. It is in this week's stack. It's in this week's stack. So let me take a look here real quick. So think of it kind of like uh, Diana Godlin, or uh, what's her name for Outlander, but this is going to be more uh, plantation and that part of the South versus Europe over here, coming over here for the revolution. I don't see that in the stack over here. I could be looking at something wrong, but you have the papers over there still. Oh, you're okay. You're talking about that site. Yeah, I, I, I asked about this week's stack, so I'm looking at the notes. Oh for no, this no, 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 no. Last right. week. Well, I'll, I'll look it up later. All right, the show I did and you were gone for. Right. Okay. So, all that to say, N.K. Jemson. This is a name that I know. Um, I've seen mixed reviews of her work, shall we say? Reading from the Goodreads description here, quote, Five New Yorkers must come together in order to defend this city in the first book of a stunning new series by Hugo Award-winning and New York Times bestselling author N.K. Jemison. 
every city has a soul. Some are as ancient as myths, and others are as new and destructive as children. New York City, she's got five. But every city also has a dark side, a roiling ancient evil stirs beneath the earth, threatening to destroy the city and her five protectors unless they can come together and stop it once and for all. You know, maybe maybe I should start doing a dramatic readings show. I hear it. I hear that. I hear that. So should everybody else since I have a mic over here. Yeah. Okay, this is one of these... Uh, Individuals have to team up to battle the great evil. So, okay. Um, it doesn't seem on the surface to be anything new that we've seen, you know, that we haven't seen before. Um, I think it would be interesting to see a story like this take place somewhere other than the big city. Uh, Sci-Fi Sound makes a good a good point. This sounds like Justice League. It could very well be. I mean, it's the same kind... I mean, it's not a new concept. You have a bunch of people. I mean, it's the Avengers. It's the Justice League. It's... Uh, it's the three investigators. It's the Scooby-Doo Mystery Inc. gang. It's it's the the individuals coming together to form a team in order to to accomplish some goal. Um, that's not new. Cities. This city has five souls, five myths. So that's. Maybe maybe a little bit of magic involved. The genres attached to it: fantasy, urban fantasy, science fiction, LGBT, science fiction, fantasy, speculative fiction. So there's going to be a little bit of of uh, some of that. Now, Jemison, I've seen complaints that a number of her stories. Our message fiction. Um, I have not read anything by N.K. Jemison, so I can't speak to that. Uh, but I've not seen anything in the description of her books that have me interested in reading her books. It could very well be that I'm missing something that's just gold. Uh, but this this description here sounds pretty generic to me. This is not. This doesn't sound like anything we haven't seen already. So, if anybody's read these books, again, if anybody has read these books, and if you like them or don't like them, either way, let us know. All right, moving on. Mexican Gothic. <coughs> Excuse me. By Silvia Moreno-Garcia. 3.71 stars out of 5 over on Goodreads. 110,000 ratings. It's actually got more reviews than uh, than than the Jemison book, eighteen thousand, almost nineteen thousand reviews. It is also a Goodreads Choice twenty twenty winner. We'll get into that here in a little bit. So, uh, it's listed here among historical fiction, Gothic, mystery, fantasy, thriller, all different categories that are attached to it. 
Excuse me for just a second. I got to take a sip of my coffee. I'm losing my voice here. <clears throat> All right. Mexican Gothic by Silvia Moreno Garcia. Here is the description from Goodreads. After receiving a frantic letter from her newlywed cousin begging for someone to save her from a mysterious doom, Noemi Taboada heads to High Place, a distant house in the Mexican countryside. She's not sure what she will find. Her cousin's husband, a handsome Englishman, is a stranger, and Noemi knows little about the region. Noemi is also an unlikely rescuer. She's a glamorous debutante, and her chic gowns and perfect red lipstick are more suited for cocktail parties than amateur sleuthing. But she's also tough and smart with an indomitable will, and she's not afraid, and not of her cousin's new husband, who is both menacing and alluring, not of his father, the ancient patriarch who seems to be fascinated by Noemi, and not even of the house itself, which begins to invade Noemi's dreams with visions of blood and doom. Her only ally in this inhospitable abode is the family's youngest son, shy and gentle. He seems to want to help Noemi, but might also be hiding dark knowledge of his family's past. For there are many secrets behind the walls of High Place, the family's once colossal wealth and faded mining empire kept them from prying eyes, but as Noemi digs deeper, she unearths stories of violence and madness. And Noemi, mesmerized by the terrifying yet seductive world of High Place, may soon find it impossible to ever leave this enigmatic house behind. Ooh. Okay. So, gothic horror, thriller, mystery. <clears throat> I don't know. This one doesn't. Uh, this one doesn't trip my trigger either. It just. I don't know. Um, it feels a little. Just from the description, it feels a little YA for me. It doesn't say that it's YA. Um, but you have this, you know, this glamorous debutante character. Um, is, is the, is the rich guy, the villain? Is that going to be part of this? I don't know. This, this description doesn't make me want to read this book. And it's a, it's a good choice, you know, Goodreads choice 2020 winner. So somebody liked it. It's nominated for a Nebula Award, so somebody liked it. I don't know. It just just from just from reading this, the the potential story pitfalls on this kind of thing. You have the the evil rich family. You have the the strange handsome Englishman, the foreigner. Uh, the white invader, I guess you could say. I I don't know this this. I have a I have a couple of little bells ringing on in the back of my head for this one. I don't know. This one doesn't sound like it's interest anything that I would be interested in reading. 
maybe because it's not geared toward a male audience. I don't know. I mean, it just, it, this feels like a CW book. That's what it is. It feels like a CW book. That's the best, the best way I can describe it. just, and of course the description may not be accurate enough to really give you a sense of what this book is. So I don't know. Mazur says we're never going to see another Asimov's foundation type of mega series again. Are we? I would say Mazurus, you've got to read the honor Harrington books. If you haven't already, you talk about a mega series. I think there's something like 30 novels in that, in that universe right now, David Weber, uh, we talked to him and Chris Kennedy last week about their new book, uh, Out of, Into the Light, which is the second of his Vampires versus Aliens stories. <laughs> that first book is fun. Uh, and, it, and it twists right in the middle. You go, hang on. Did David Weber just put a vampire in his book? Uh, David Weber, the Honor Harrington books. Uh, you start with On Basilisk Station. Um, Mrs. Voss, do you have a way that you can retrieve that for me over there? What? Uh, on Basilisk Station. It's on that top shelf there. Oh. Or I can I could get it, but that would take it. me off the microphone. All right. All right. So On Basilisk Station is the first book of that series. Oh, don't worry about it. Mazur says he's found it. Yes, 1993. That is the beginning. And it is basically Honor Harrington as Horatio Hornblower in a, an epic military, hard military science fiction setting. Honor Harrington is Horatio Hornblower. And you get to see the trajectory of her career as it progresses through these stories. They are excellent, excellent books. This is, for lack of a better way of describing it, this is Tom Clancy writing Horatio Hornblower in space. They're excellent stories. And he's done some collaborations with Eric Flint on a few of them, with Timothy Zahn on a few of them. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's something I highly recommend anybody who's interested in any kind of hard science fiction or military science fiction, read the honor Harrington books because they are very, very, very good. Um, and he has allowed some people to play in that universe in the short story anthologies, uh, and such. So, um, and I think, I think he's working on the next one now. I hope he's working on the next one now because, yes, he is. Because he and, uh, I want to say he and Eric Flint have the next one that uh, that they're working on now. I'm very much looking forward to it because it's going to wrap up, hopefully, the, the um, which one is it? The Crown of Slaves storyline. And that one's been a long time coming. All right, moving on here on these Nebula nominees. <clears throat> this one is Mid The Midnight Bargain by C.L. Polk. 
3.78 stars out of 5. Only 969 reviews, 3,000 ratings. So not, not as much feedback on this one. <clears throat> uh, hello, Jason Cordova in the chat. Mason Alliance storyline. Yeah, I... Um, there, there are on the on the Harrington books. There are several story branches that have uh, that have split off from the main line Honor Harrington books. You've got her story, and then you have the story of the the planet Torch, and then you have the the Mason Alliance stuff. You have the the conspiracy story that's been sketching through all of it. Uh, and that's the one that's culminating, but I can't remember. It's not, I don't know if it's the, the crown of the crown of slaves storyline that's ending there, or if it's the other one, but what, whatever one that he's working on, I want to say it's, it's, uh, it's him and Eric Flint, uh, who are doing that one. So, but I'm very much looking forward to it. Cause that it has been building and building and eventually you've got to pay it off. <clears throat> All right, so The Midnight Bargain by C.L. Polk, reading from Goodreads. Again, this is not some this is not somebody I, I've read before. I'm not familiar with this author. All right, so here we go. Beatrice Claiborne is a sorceress who practices magic in secret. Terrified of the day, she will be locked into a marital collar that will cut off her powers to protect her unborn children. She dreams of becoming a full-fledged magus and pursuing magic as her calling, as men do, but her family has staked everything to equip her for bargaining season. That's capitalized. When young men and women of means descend upon the city to negotiate the best marriages, the Claibornes are in severe debt, and only she can save them by securing an advantageous match before their creditors come calling. In a stroke of luck, Beatrice finds a grimoire that contains the key to becoming a magus, but before she can purchase it, a rival sorceress swindles the book right out of her hands. Beatrice summons a spirit to help her get it back, but her new ally extracts a price. Beatrice's first kiss with her adversary's brother, the handsome, compassionate, and fabulously wealthy Yantha Levan. What kind of name is Yantha? The more Beatrice is entangled with the Levan siblings, the harder her decision becomes. If she casts the spell to become a magus, she will devastate her family and lose the only man to ever see her for who she is. But if she marries... Even for love, she will sacrifice her magic, her identity, and her dreams. But how can she choose just one, knowing she will forever regret the path not taken? Yeah, I don't have any interest in this book. <clears throat> I've, I've seen stories like this before. Uh, it's categorized here, fantasy, romance, historical fiction, magic, paranormal, witches. <sighs> This feels really derivative for some reason. Um, I mean, yeah. I, mm, I don't have any interest in this. 
Nominated for a Nebula. Okay. The cover here, you can see the cover here of a stopwatch. A pocket watch, not a stopwatch, a pocket watch with a bunch of flowers around it. I'm going to guess that C.L. Polk is a woman of the female persuasion. So, okay. <clears throat> I don't have any interest in this. This feels like, it almost feels like a Harlequin science fiction, a Harlequin fantasy. It's not really even science fiction. I, I have yet, do we have none of these books so far are science fiction. They're all fantasy, supernatural fantasy stuff. Were there no good science fiction novels published in 2020? I don't know. All right, here we go. Black Sun by Rebecca Roanhorse. Uh, okay, this this looks like maybe it might be science fiction. It is Between Earth and Sky number one, so it looks like the beginning of a uh, beginning of a trilogy. Four point two seven stars out of five, so it's a higher rating. Twenty five hundred reviews, over nine thousand ratings. So let's read this from the New York Times bestselling author of Star Wars: Resistance Reborn. Comes the first book in the Between Earth and Sky trilogy, inspired by the civilizations of the pre-Columbian Americas and woven into a tale of celestial prophecies, political intrigue, and forbidden magic. <clears throat> okay, so probably not science fiction. A god will return when the earth and sky converge under the black sun. In the holy city of Tova, the winter solstice is usually a time for celebration and renewal, but this year it coincides with a solar eclipse, a rare celestial event proscribed by the sun priest as an unbalancing of the world. Meanwhile, a ship launches from a distant city bound for Tova and set to arrive on the solstice. The captain of the ship, Ziala, is a disgraced teak whose song can calm the waters around her as easily as it can warp a man's mind. Her ship carries one passenger, described as harmless. The passenger, Serapio, is a young man, blind, scarred, and cloaked in destiny. I wonder how destiny fits. Is destiny made up of cotton, polyester, spandex? Mixed fabrics? <clears throat> Continuing here. As Ziala well knows, when a man is described as harmless, he usually ends up being a villain. Well, that's not telegraphing anything. Crafted with unforgettable characters, Rebecca Roanhorse has created an epic adventure exploring the decadence of power amidst the weight of history and the struggle of individuals swimming against the confines of society and their broken pasts in the most original series debut of the decade. Okay. <clears throat> I have a quibble with whomever wrote this description. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to take a look here. This sentence right 
here. This last sentence, one thing, it's a little bit long. <clears throat> but I want to I go to this very beginning of the sentence. Crafted with unforgettable characters, comma, Rebecca Roanhorse. I don't even need to go any further than that. Because grammatically, this is hash. This says the Rebecca Roanhorse has been crafted with unforgettable characters. Not the book. The author has been crafted with unforgettable characters. This is the kind of thing that makes my teeth grind to read stuff like this. This is, this is in that same category of irritants like pineapple on pizza or the misuse of the Oxford comma or run-on sentences that go on forever and ever and ever and ever. So this is not a science fiction book either. All right. Categorized here by people reading it. Fantasy, adult science fiction, LGBT, historical fiction, high fantasy. So, so far we have not had any science fiction books nominated. Maybe we'll get lucky on this last one. Network Effect, The Murder Bot Diaries Number 5 by Martha Wells. 4.44 stars out of 5. 25,500 ratings, 3,200 reviews. <clears throat> All right. Murder Bot returns in its highly anticipated first full-length standalone novel. You know that feeling when you're at work and you've had enough of people and then the boss walks in with yet another job that needs to be done right this second or the world will end, but all you want to do is go home and binge your favorite shows? And you're a sentient murder machine programmed for destruction? Congratulations, you're murder bot. Come for the pew-pew space battles. Stay for the most relatable AI you'll read this century. I'm usually alone in my head, and that's where 90-plus percent of my problems are. When Murderbot's human associates, not friends, never friends, are captured, and another not-friend from its past requires urgent assistance, Murderbot must choose between inertia and drastic action. Drastic action it is, then. Now, this actually sounds kind of fun. Uh, Mazer says the plot, someone's router suffers a power failure. Yeah, well, and and this the beginning of this, I yeah, I read this. You know that feeling when you're when you're at work and you've had enough of people? Yes, I know that feeling very well. I have that feeling quite a bit, whether I'm at work or not. Uh, and it has nothing to do with Mrs. Boss. Let me let me let me make that clear because Snarky over here just making a comment. Snarky, 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 snarky. Uh, this is this is no reflection on my sentiments toward Mrs. Boss. She is uh, the the apple of my eye, uh, the cream in my coffee, the 
wind beneath my wings. <laughs> okay, first of all, you don't eat apples. Second of all, cream. Really. I do eat apples. And third of all, are you Bette Midler now? I do eat apples. I do eat apples. Some. Uh, this actually sounds kind of fun. Uh, I, it's it's the fifth in a series, however, uh, which makes me a little trepidatious because I don't like jumping into series in the middle of the series. I usually like to, to start at the beginning. And that's one of the problems that we have with some of these books that keep getting sent to us for reviews is they're part of a series. And I'm sitting here thinking, okay, you've sent us this book to review. And it's part of a series, so I have to ask them, do I need to go back and read all of the others to know what's going on in this one? Or is it is it standalone enough that I can, I can pick up here and I can just go forward with it? This one sounds like, because it says it's the first full-length standalone novel for Murderbot, so it sounds like you can jump in with this one just from the description here. You can you can jump in with this one and not have to have read all of the others. But when it says, come for the pew-pew space battle, stay for the most relatable AI you'll read this century, I'm automatically of a mind um, uh, that maybe uh, Alan Tudyk might be playing the murder bot. Uh, I don't know why, but I get feelings of, you know, I, I get hints... Uh, shades of K2SO with this, uh, maybe. So this one actually might be kind of fun to pick up. Um, I mean, you, your main character is called Murderbot. That in and of itself is a selling point. Uh, the book uh, cover here, the, uh, you've got ships out in space, which is good. That means there are ships out in space, which means it's science fiction and not high fantasy. I may actually take a look at this one. This one this one looks like it might be interesting to read. Uh, so uh, Martha Wells her uh, her author bio uh, photograph is her standing next to a giant Hulk statue. So uh, there's that. I guess she's got that going for her. But uh, yeah, this uh, this sounds like it might be it might be kind of fun. So that's those are the five those are the six nominees for best novel in the Nebula Awards. And for those of you who don't really know what the Nebulas are, they were founded in 1965 by Damon Knight, who has an award named for him as well. And uh, it grew out of the Science Fiction and Fantasy Writers of America publishing anthologies, you know, best of anthologies. And that eventually became, well, instead of a best of anthology, why don't we use these lists as ballots for awards? And the, and the Nebula Award was born. And they cover novel, novella, novelette, short story. Uh, there's, a, there's an award name for Andre Norton for middle grade and young adult fiction. Uh, there's a game category, and then the Ray Bradbury Award for drama presentation. So you know, movies and TV uh, episodes there, uh, and that is an interesting list as well. You've got Birds of Prey, you've got uh, the Expanse, the episode Guagamela. You have an episode of The Good Place. Whenever you're ready, Lovecraft Country season one, The Mandalorian, uh, the episode The Tragedy, written by John Favreau. And then The Old Guard by Greg Rucka 
over on Netflix. I've uh, that's the one, isn't that uh, Charlie Theron leading the the immortals, uh, the immortal or the or the hard to kill elite um, squad, mercenary squad or something. Um, I, and yeah, snob. It is. It's all. It's all female writers uh, in this list of nom uh, of nominees for best novel. But you go back and you look at some of the of the stuff for the other other categories. <clears throat> Novella. Uh, let's see. There's a couple of them in there that are that are men. I don't know because some of these are initials, so I'm not sure. But there's not a lot of men nominated. All the way, all the way down the the list. Uh, there's one there game in the games category. There there are plenty of men in the games category because you'll find that. And then of course in the media category, uh, these uh, the winners will be announced during the Nebula Conference online. They're going to be a virtual event again this year, June fourth through the sixth. Usually the awards ceremonies are on the Friday night of the event if it's a, if it's over a weekend. So we keep an eye on that and when they when they post the the names of the winners, uh, we will uh, we will of course have that for you. And that takes us to the end of the hour. I can see how I did that. I'm just that good <clears throat> or something. I don't know. Uh, okay, so tomorrow night here on Sci-Fi for Me TV, 9 p.m. Eastern, we will have a brand new Star Wars discussion in the Ranker Pit. We will be talking probably about the attempted cancellation of Bill Burr this week, as well as uh, I've got an invite uh, in to Gene Delvecchio, who wrote an op-ed over at Forbes saying that Disney is not handling things right. So we'll be talking about all of that tomorrow night. Uh, George Lucas has made some interesting comments back in October when he was talking to a group of 12-year-olds from a charter school. We'll have that as well. And uh, last night we posted a new Salacious Crumbs. Not a huge whole lot of news this week. Uh, but we do have plenty of gossip and rumor and speculation. And we have a Cara Dune pop in the studio. Now, this is the new one. Uh, 403 is the one where there was a question of whether or not they're actually going to start uh, it, stop making all of it. Uh, 356 is the other one. And that's the one that's apparently no longer available. But this is the new one. Uh, this is This is one we got... Uh, we've got there are there are some pre -re what released last night last month all right released last month so the one is this the is this the one that we have on pre order or there's another one we have we have another one of these on pre order okay all right so we're in a, we have a we have another order in a in another wave we'll see if we get that one. Uh, also this week, uh, don't forget, Saturday morning, we have the week's headlines in all the genres, science fiction, fantasy, and horror in, uh, in Good Morning Multiverse. And then on Saturday afternoon at 1 p.m. Eastern, 
a new horror discussion with Leslie and Tim. They're going to go to Canada this week for foreign bodies, and I think they're going to look at a number of films by Cronenberg. <clears throat> so, yeah, Mazur says, isn't it weird how the last episode of Mando barely aired three months ago, yet Gina's been fired and moved on in that same space of time? There has been a whole lot of stuff that's happened in that space of time. Um, yeah, and it and it doesn't look like it's going to stop. There's there's other things afoot. Uh, we'll probably talk about that hit piece from uh, from rewriting Ripley just a little bit. I know it's there are some raw feelings on some of that, and there does appear to be some connection between the people responsible for rewriting Ripley and members of the Lucasfilm Story Group. So we'll be looking at that as well. Yes, CAM1138, it is gold. It is contraband. You might as well just have this wrapped in gold press latinum uh, for all of the effort that it takes to do things. So anyway, I think, I th I think uh, that's going to do it for us today. Don't forget, if you are not subscribed to the channel yet, we do invite you to do so. And follow us over on Twitch if you haven't done that yet. All the social media, you can just find us. Just do a search for Sci-Fi for Me, and there we are. And uh, we will start up our watch parties over on Twitch here fairly soon. We want to get to at least 100 followers before we start that up again. And that could involve some people from other channels. We've been discussing some different potential collaborations for some of that. So we'll see what develops there. In the meantime, uh, feel free to check out any of the rest of the video programs that we have here on the channel. If you are listening to this as a podcast, we do invite you to uh, rate it, uh, leave us a comment, share some feedback. Uh, if you want to send us an email, live from the bunker at sci fi for me.com, sign up for our newsletter. And we will be back to do this again tomorrow at 1 p.m. Eastern on the last live from the bunker for the week. In the meantime, remember there are four lights. Back tomorrow. Bye. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2021 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.